Open your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 7. I'm preaching a series of messages called Revive Us Again. Revive Us Again. Psalm 85, 6 says, Psalm, revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. So I'll be preaching um, at least along those lines, at least real close till we get to our revival time and our time that we will be um, in our Bible conference. I, um, just, I, I want to say two things. Uh, number one, I'm grateful that the name of Jesus Christ was mentioned at the prayer breakfast in the National Cathedral yesterday. But if you want to ask the question of what the great harlot looks like, you saw it there, except it will exclude Jesus. So if you want to know what the great heart it is, there it was. Living color, HD, so you can see the great harlot in Revelation 17. The one who embraces any religion. The atheist would have prayed, but they don't know who to pray to, so they didn't show up. But. They probably showed up somewhere hating us and maybe in the streets before the day was over. Second Chronicles chapter 7 is a verse that I'm certain that all of you are familiar with as far as its reading. I'm not sure that very many of us are familiar with it in its obeying. But today I want to talk to you on this subject, why not now? Why not now? Why don't we have revival now? I mean, God didn't put a time limit on it. God didn't say it's going to take six years to do it. God didn't say it's going to take six months or three months or two months to do it. He just said, when my people do what I say, we'll have revival. And so we can have it today. Is that all right? Okay. That's what we're going to talk about today. But there was this husband and wife, and they was out shopping. And uh, a couple were in busy shopping center, you know, and it, it, it was around Christmas time, you know how it is, and everybody's bumping into each other and stealing stuff out of each other's basket and that kind of stuff. And the wife uh, suddenly noticed that her husband had went amiss, and as they had a lot to do, so she called him on the phone, on her, ta- on her cell phone, and the wife said, where are you? We got tons of stuff to do today and you've disappeared he said well you remember that jeweler we went to and about 10 years ago and you fell in love with that diamond necklace I couldn't afford it at that time but I told you one day I would get it for you tears welled up in her eyes and started to flow down her cheek and she she said yes I do remember that shop he said well I'm in the gun shop right beside it (laughs) So, sometimes we get revival confused. We think it's doing, we think we're doing what God wants us to do, but we're missing it, right? And we're just like that man, we're in the gun shop right beside it. Um, I, I think today that God will bless us if we'll hear his word, and I will try to do it in such a way that it will not be too tediously boring for you. 
Second Chronicles 7, verse number 12, listen to what it said. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard thy prayer and I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in that, this place. So why can't we have revival today? God has told us how. He's laid it out. I'm going to try to expound upon it today in a way that we start to look in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, help us today. God, there's uh, so many things that we don't do and so many things that we do do that we shouldn't do. So God, help us today to get ready to meet Jesus and help us, God, until you come to be faithful. But God, give us preachers who will preach no matter what the word of God. They may be few and far between, but may God's people in this day of travel May they make sure they're under the word of God. We love you, Jesus, and we fail you many times, but God, you never fail us. So today, I'm trusting you to feel me and to preach through me in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at David's prayer and challenge to Solomon. It was actually a pre-revival message that was given to his son Solomon. I told you last week that Charles Finney said revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. I love that definition. I think it, it certainly is for us today if we could just have a revival of new obedience to God. Billy Sunday said we need a holy panic in religion. And I agree with him. We need some folks to get paranoid about not having revival. Some folks that will panic over the fact that we're not on fire for God. Panic over the fact that God's not doing what we know he would do if we would let him do. We ought to panic. We ought to get so panicky today that we can't help but say, God, I'm willing to let you do everything you want to do. We need a holy panic in revival. But 2 Chronicles 7 doesn't put us out of revival. Second Chronicles 7 catches us in the middle of revival. We're right in the middle of a revival. The temple has been built, and the whole land was there admiring and basking in what God had done. They had come from all over the nation to be thrilled about what God had done. And the temple was complete. The palace was done. The land was just basking in the glory of God to what we, which we talked about last week. And you, the glory of God, I don't think we still get it. We talk it, but I don't think we still get it. The glory of God is something that, that is an actual visible manifestation of God. I don't mean we've got a cloud over our head. 
If I had one over my head, it'd be black, I'll tell you that. But it just doesn't have anything with a halo. It's nothing like that. It's when you, when God takes you and manifests himself through you, the glory of God shines to other people. That's what he wants to do in revival. It is a visible manifestation of God, and to you is a conscious, right now, presence of God. So why don't we have revival today? Why not now? Why not now? The Bible says that we can have refreshing in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. So we need a refreshing of revival at Hillcrest Baptist Church. So here he is talking about since he knows our nature, God is speaking and he talks to Solomon. He said, I know the nature. He doesn't say that, but he knows the nature of his people and he knew they wouldn't be in revival long. He knew before long they'd be walking in the flesh. He knew before long they would be talking trash. He knew before long they would be living wrong. and they would. He knew before long there'd be some falling out to idolatry. He knew before long they would not be in this atmosphere that they were in right there. And so he talks to Solomon to tell them what to do when they find themselves not in revival. Now, folks, you better hear today because we're not in revival. And God's going to tell us today how to get back where we once were. This church has had a few revivals, but we're not in it now. And we need to have revival. If we're going to have it, here's the first thing we need. God needs a place. God needs a place. Look, the Bible says... He appeared to Solomon, I've heard thy prayer, and I've chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. In other words, the temple was God's place. God said everything in it, everything around it, everything about it will speak of the Son of God which is going to come. It is my place. And today, everything in that thing we read about was gold and priceless materials and wood all the way from Tyre. I mean, it was a, a, a sight to behold, even though it wasn't a structure. It was a tabernacle tent. That's what we had. But it was a sight to behold. And God said, this is my place. I need a place if we're going to have revival. And that's where he took. First of all, the place he needed was the temple that Solomon built. The amazing places, the atmosphere of the presence of God seemed to be everywhere. Uh, this temple now, notice this. There's two things you need to notice about this, temp, this, 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 this temple that Solomon built. Uh, before he got out of that tent and into this beautiful temple, he, 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 both places had this. It had gold about it. It had blood about it. It's gold and blood. Gold and blood. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, everything or many of the things in it was made out of gold. And before that anybody went in it, there had to be blood. That's the sacrifice. So the temple Solomon built was gold, which speaks of his son, and blood, which speaks of his son's sacrifice for our sins. Second thing, the temple was built. But secondly, the temple salvation was bought. 
The place of a New Testament, the Bible says that there is a temple that was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know where it is? Hillcrest Baptist Church. That's where it is. It is our local church, and it is in us each individually. That's his you say, well, I don't quite understand that. Well, you would if you were a student of the Bible because the Bible says that you were bought with the price. That price is his blood. There was no other price that could be paid. And then he says this, you are not your own anymore. You're bought with the price. You're God's now. You're not the devil's anymore. You're not the world's anymore, which tries to destroy you and ruin you. But hallelujah, you're God's, which wants to build you and lift you and help you and comfort you and guide you. He bought you to do that for you. And the devil was here to kill you and destroy you. And he come and you're a bought temple. And, and the Bible says in Ephesians 3.22, that the church also is that temple. You say, what are we to do? In the church, we are to manifest the presence and power of God. When people walk into this place where it's up in the balcony, in the bathroom, in the fellowship hall, wherever it might be in this, in this place, it, we ought to be manifesting the personal presence of God through our life. This is our church. But you individually also are to manifest the presence of God in your life. You're the temple God's talking about. You're the temple he bought and paid for. Solomon built one. Jesus bought one. Well, don't, don't miss that. Because the Old Testament temple costs millions. But you are of more value, this one of us, than any of that temple. Because he shed his blood. And he said, since I bought them with the price, they're now mine, and nobody plucks them out of my father's hand. So the place of revival today is where? Inside your heart. God needs a place. Hey, God needs a place. God needs a place. God needs a place here, and a place here, and a place there, and a place there, a place there, and a place there. God needs a place. If we are not willing to give you a place, we can stop right here. Because we can't have a revival. God needs a place. That's the place of revival. Number two, God needs a problem. Not that God has problems, but God has problems with us. Amen? And sometimes we're getting some problems with God. Don't you notice something? That problem is he is at the right place. And so I believe... Today, H. Hillcrest Baptist Church, I believe is the right place for us to have revival. About eight months ago, I come to realize that this was not the church I thought it was. I really thought we were stronger. I thought we were better. I bragged on you all over the country. I'll continue to do so because even at our worst, we're better than everybody else's best. But we are not the church we have been. Let's just face it. I'm just telling you the truth. I realized that not long ago. And God spoke to my heart. And he said in verse number 13, when that happens, when we're not the church we used to be, he said, if I shut up heaven, there will be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. You see, that is the problem. 
When, when we have a problem like that, we know we need revival, right? And God knows our, our human nature, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, Lord, take and feel it with thy redeeming love. I may have missed a word or two of that, but I got it all in and that was good. You see, we, God gives us a formula when we start having problems. When, when, when things in verse 13 starts happening, when there's no rain, when, when it starts to get dry, when, when, it, when the locusts start to devour the land, what we've, what we've done, what we've planted, what we've reaped starts to get eaten up by the world. And then he says, I send pestilence among my people. Those which are spiritually healthy are now spiritually sick. So, we have a church, we need to think about some things. Some of our people are offended too easily. That's your problem. Some have wandered away from God. That's your problem. Some have a hard heart. That's your problem. Some have a hindering spirit. That's your problem. Some have an apathetic view. That's your problem. Instead of panicking, we don't care what happens. So God gives his formula for revival when we fall away, and we will. There's never been a church that didn't. There never will be one that don't until the church is not the church but the bride. And then there will be no falling away. But some in our church have fallen away. Some are lost that claims to be a Christian. Some are falling down, not out, but falling down because they're backslidden. And so we have some problems in this building this morning. I want to tell you, we have some problems. I'm saying it again. We have some problems in here today. Got some problems up there and up there and up there and up there. We got problems all down here. But that's okay because when God sends revival, it's got to have some problems. You see, the drought of rain, nothing could be more devastating in their land than lack of rain. And nothing can be more devastating in the house of God than the Holy Ghost raining down upon us. Nothing could be more devastating. Many are running everywhere for an emotional fix. They're looking for every spiritual help or spiritual path. And they're, they're getting watered down when they need to be washed off. Amen. We have planted seed. We've witnessed, and you say, well, why are more people getting saved? We've planted the seed. They're there. We've witnessed. We give the gospel. Here's why we need rain. Holy Ghost rain. And secondly, there's a devouring of righteousness. The demon locusts have swarmed over us and over our country till we not only prefer sin over righteousness, we protect sin. We've made our laws to protect it because we prefer it over what's right. That bunch of feminists 50 years ago wouldn't have had the guts or the backbone or the brass to walk down the streets of the nation's capital saying, I'm a feminist and proud. I'd like to just have been close to old Ashley Judd. I'd have slapped her into next week. <laughs> Listen, that, that wouldn't happen. 
That wouldn't happen. You say, well, that's their problem. No, no, no. That's our problem. That wouldn't have happened had the church had revival. We'd have had revival everywhere. It would have spread through the country. It would, our preachers quit preaching and our people quit praying and our folks quit loving God. And look what's happened. And so then, thirdly, there's a damage of the redeemed. Look what he says here. The, the pestilence among my people. Sin is damaging us with rebellious in our young lives, teenagers, lifestyles, and language, apathetic parents and grandparents who don't seem like it's such a big deal, uh, preachers who have been affected and infected, and now they're so scared to death, and then those potential preachers who are trying to be robbed of what faith that they have in God, and then Christian homes is going by the wayside every day. And our school children, our college students, listen, folks, the damage is being done to those who've been saved. They're pecking away and eating away and confusing their minds. We need revival. In Wales, I, I have a, I'll tell you about it before we're through, but in Wales, the great revival that everyone talks about lasted three years. 1904 to 1906, and and some lingering results lasted after that. But today, it is right back even worse than what it was. Evan Roberts was the one who God used to help bring revival. He wasn't a great preacher. He just got full of God, got serious with God. And there in Wales, God sent revival. After that revival ceased and died down, Evan Roberts became a recluse. He he, he, he wouldn't speak to anyone. He would sit in the dark. He was depressed and discouraged. And so he was interviewed. The last time anyone ever spoke to him, he was interviewed. And in that interview, this is what he said. The interviewer asked him, he said, Brother Roberts. And here he was, old and shaky, and, and he didn't hardly ever talk. He would just barely answer a question and maybe not answer it at all. And and then he said, Brother Roberts, what was it like in Wales before the revival? And quick as he could, he snapped up and said, their hearts were like flint. I think we're back there today. And so God needs a place. Can he find one here today? God needs a problem. This place is full of them today. And thirdly, God needs a people. In verse 14, he said, if my people. Listen, folks, God's people has to wake up to revival. I don't care if you're a church member or not. That I could care less. He said, we've got a bunch of folks come here. They ain't never moved their membership. I don't care as long as you're right with God. As long as you've been scripturally baptized, I don't know why you don't. Or why, would you, why wouldn't you want to be identified with the best church around? I don't know why. But as long as you're here, you will treat you just like anybody else. We love you just like anybody else. We care for you just like anybody else. And we have many that's been here for a long time and haven't moved their membership. That's not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about do we have some people of God? Not that we have members. We've got 27 plus 100 members. 
I'm not worried about that. Some of them, they'll never get right with God. Some of them we couldn't even find. But thank God we've got a few that's on fire for God. But we need more if we're going to have revival. God needs a people. Romans 13, 11 says, knowing the time that is now high time to awake out of our sleep. So first of all, he needs an awakened people because we're slumberers. Second of all, he needs detached people. He says, people who are called by my name. Does folks look at you and say, hey, 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 I know those folks. They go to Hillcrest. Bunch of nuts over there. But they're called Christians. Well, they call you. Well, they call you. They say, well, boy, he can surely cuss. He cusses worse than all of us. What about it? Are you attached to the point to where you don't mind being identified with Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed for that to come up because your lifestyle stinks and you know that if it comes up, they'll laugh or they wouldn't believe it? Need to detach people. Why? Because Jesus said, if you, you are the salt of the earth... And the salt quits, loses its savor, it is good for nothing. He said, you are the light of the world. But if a man takes a bushel and puts over the light, he can't light anything. So we become worthless and lightless unless we are attached by the name of Jesus Christ. God needs a people. Number four, God needs a procedure. God needs a procedure. First of all, he needs humble contrition. Look what he says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he shall exalt thee in due time. That's what 1 Peter 5, 5 says. It is revival when we humble ourselves. I'm going to tell you something. When you humble yourself before God, I, I don't think anything can happen but revival. But if you don't humble yourself and God has to humble you, it's judgment. We don't want God to humble us. We want to humble ourselves before him. So God needs a procedure. First of all, he needs humble contrition because God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You say, man, I'm a really good Christian. God says, get away from me. But when you come to him on your knees saying, God, I'm not worthy of thee, but I thank you for shedding your precious blood. And God, would you hear my prayer today? He said, come on close. Come on close. God needs a people. God has a procedure. And the first one is an humble, an humble contrition. But secondly, he needs a heavenwardly calling. Or we could say crying out in verse 14. You see, he said, if they could humble themselves and pray. It's not the church that's going to bring revival. It's not the sermons that's going to be revival. It's not the singing that's going to bring revival. It's not our programs that's going to bring revival. It might get people here so we can have revival, but it won't bring revival. It's the humble prayer in every temple that's going to bring revival. Every temple, this temple, this temple, y'all see? This temple. Mine as well as yours. I don't have anything on anybody. But I know what God hears humble prayer. 1828, Oswego County, New York. There was 
a church that had nobody saved, nothing going on, so dead, so unspiritual, so lifeless. Folks just went because they were supposed to, went home out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, just nobody hardly lived around. They had to, had to walk and they had to ride buggies. And, 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 and so all of a sudden, something changed in that church. All of a sudden, God started to do something. And people started to get saved. And, and the power of God became on that little, little country church. And all of a sudden, 150 people were saved. And, and revival hit that little country church and set it aflame for Jesus Christ in the middle of nowhere. You say, what caused it? It was later discovered there was two elderly, we'd say old elderly men, my age and up, <laughs> And they had been meeting for months every day in a pine thicket and on their knees and on their face begging God for revival. We need some of that. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee mighty things which thou knowest not. Some of you have never seen it. But God said he could do it. Amen. My daughter, I told it Wednesday night. I feel like I'll tell it again. So many of you wasn't here. Our one teachers wasn't here. But I think it was this past Thursday, uh, this past Tuesday. Maybe this past Wednesday. I'm not sure. But I told it Wednesday night. So it had to happen before Wednesday night. There was a teenager, my daughter's over the special ed department there, and she teaches special ed teenagers. She loves them. She, she cares for them. She gives them scriptures. When they come to her, she prays with them. She, has, she gives them Bible verses to try to help them because she's got the worst of the worst. I mean, the only reason they're in there is because that nobody can handle them, so they send them down to my little four-foot daughter. But she's not afraid of them. And she loves a boy with two other teenagers had robbed a corner store before you get to Riverdale High School. Armed robbery. And all of a sudden she drives up Wednesday morning, I believe it was. And there that boy and two other boys stood 45 days later. After armed robbery, 45 days, they turned him loose and sent them back to school. My daughter went up, embraced them, hugged them, said, I'm glad to see, glad you're here, been praying for you. She said, I started to walk off. As I was walking, the Holy Ghost, she said, it just spoke to me and, you know, I didn't hear a voice, but I just knew it was God saying, you better pray today. You better pray today. And she said every time that she would have a minute, the Holy Ghost would just touch her and say, pray now, pray now. Pray all day. Pray all day. And she prayed and she prayed. She prayed. And finally, this young boy was late for his class. He he didn't show up 30 minutes late, so they went to try to round him up and find him. He was sitting in the principal's office with a loaded gun. He'd had it all day in his backpack. His intentions were surely to kill as many as he could that day. And probably the 
principal was where he was going to start because he got thrown out of school for his armed robbery attempt. And he was just sitting there. He never tried to kill anybody, never tried to do a thing. And they asked him why. He said, I don't know why. But I know why. I know why. He said, God heard the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous girl. I pray for her every day, but I don't pray for that school every day. But I'll tell you this, when my kids went to school, I prayed for that school every day. I rode around it and prayed. I'm going to tell you, mamas and daddies, you better understand, we live in a day that if you stop your prayer life, you lose your power life. There's nobody going to protect you except God. But then we need a heartfelt change. Verse 14, seek his face. You've got to get hungry. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search with me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says. You see, people sometimes search the scriptures just so they can be smart, but they don't seek God so they can be right. There's a difference between searching the scriptures and seeking God's face. See, God's face maybe wants his favor. We want him to turn his face toward us in favor and nearness and closeness. But fourthly, we need a heart's confession. Turn. Look what he says. He said, then will I hear, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. We need an honest confession. We've got to turn. Let's just face it, guys, gals up there. I can't see who you are. I don't know who all of you are. I know most of you. But I don't know where, who, who I could point at somebody and be the wrong one. But I just want you all to hear this. Y'all going to have to turn if we have revival. Down here on the floor, I can see most of you, except those on the back under those shadow lights. I know I ain't get back there so you can hide from the preacher. <laughs> But I can still shoot that far. The gospel gun's got bullets that'll reach all the way to the back. You're going to have to turn. 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 What does turn mean? It means you're going one way and you turn go the other. I find myself now starting one place and forgetting where I was going. So I have to turn around and go back to the place I was going. That's what we're doing in church. We're coming to church and we forget where we're going. We turn around and go just back like we were. Well, we need an honest confession. And you say, well, I don't, I'm not wicked. Well, you better look in the Bible and see what wicked ways is. You'll find it'll fit you. And here's the last thing. God gives a promise. Then and only then. Then and only then will he hear and forgive our sin and heal our land. He promised to hear. He promised holy erasure of our sins. We all need forgiveness. But when revival ceases, forgiveness stops. Because we have to forgive each other as God forgives us. And revival stops, that stops happening. God wants a clean house. You say, how do you know? 
because he cleansed the temple twice. But the last time he cleansed it, he said, I'm leaving it to you. I'm out of here. I'll give you three years. You haven't turned. I turned some stuff over, but you didn't turn anything around. So I'm leaving this house desolate. And then last of all, he promised a healing experience. First of all, it starts with our heart land. Then it starts with our church land. Then it comes to our homeland. Then it goes to our city land. Then it comes to our county land. Then it comes to our community land. And then it comes to our country land. So we got a long way to go, folks, before we get to God healing our land. He's got to heal some other things before we get there. And by God's grace, he is. Today, I'm going to close, and I'm going to say this. God's looking for a place for revival. You, would, you let him be, would you just let him again, let this, let this be the place? Would you just let him, would you just let him say, God, I want to be your place, and I want my church to be the place to where revival comes. We can have it today. That's just up to you. Because verse 15 says, God has given our, us patience. He said, my ear is a tent unto the prayer that's prayed in this place. You see, when you come to this altar, don't come down here and pray for somebody else. First, you come and pray for you. Because God's listening and God's seeing. He knows everything about you. The Bible even says you're naked before him in Hebrews 4.13. So listen, we're going to have to understand God has waited long enough. And there comes a time when he'll say, Hillcrest Baptist Church, I thought you was going to be the one. I thought you was going to be the church that turned Lebanon upside down. I thought you was going to be the church I could use. I thought you was going to be the soul-winning, godly, holy, fervent, passionate, powerful church. I thought you was going to be. I've been waiting on you. But if you won't do it, I'll find me another at will. Well, God's waiting today. If I sit in your pew right now and the preacher just preached like I preached, I'd be on my knees right now. So that's the place. If you're lost, this is the place. God wants to come into your life, into your heart, and forgive you and save you.